and welcome to the Immigration Advocates Network podcast. My name is Brittany Long, and I am the Outreach Coordinator and AmeriCorps VISTA at the Immigration Advocates Network. Today, I'll be interviewing Amber Mole, Deputy Director in Immigration at the International Rescue Committee, or IRC. Today, Amber has graciously agreed to come on the podcast and talk about the IRC's remote work and volunteer programs in a different format. Welcome, Amber. Thank you, Brittany. It's great to be here. Thank you for being here. So to start off, could you give us a brief overview of who you are and what you do at the IRC? Absolutely. So my role as Deputy Director of Immigration at the IRC means that I support our network of 24 legal services programs throughout the U.S. with technical assistance and guidance. I work closely with colleagues around program design and implementation to ensure effective and responsive delivery of immigration legal services and civics programming. I also serve as IRC's lead on naturalization and engage in advocacy around citizenship. I came to this work from a background in human rights, having worked overseas in Sub-Saharan Africa for a few years, assisting with the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program, and then for a municipality focused on capacity building of nonprofits to alleviate poverty. Before the pandemic, the IRC piloted a number of remote service models. So did the experience and data from these pilot programs inform the way that the IRC pivoted to remote service during the pandemic? Yes, without a doubt, our pilot program certainly gave us a solid foundation to build upon and expand. The remote service models that we used prior to the pandemic solely involved naturalization assistance. We learned a lot from these pilots that informed our current models, which provide a range of legal services, not just naturalization, but other things like adjustment of status and family petitions. Some of the things we learned was around ensuring that communication and access are not adversely impacted by the services being provided remotely. Clear communication is so important in assisting an applicant. The majority of our clients face one or multiple barriers or challenges to using technology. Things such as not having reliable internet, not having access to a computer and relying solely upon a mobile phone, not having access to a printer or a scanner, and not being comfortable with online communication platforms like Zoom. We learned that WhatsApp and texting are better than email, and that for most applicants, we'll utilize a range of tools during the whole service period. So we may communicate one day by phone, then have a WhatsApp video call, and maybe follow up with text messages. We learned that even if we can assist remotely, Applicants may still need a lot of support to navigate online tools and even to print their applications in order to submit them. So we did a few things. We built in time to the preparation of applications and we incorporated check-in points so that applications stay on track until completion. Volunteers often assist with these tasks as well as support group events that are hosted on Zoom using breakout rooms for different applicants. We also learned a lot in terms of building trust with someone who isn't coming to the office, who isn't physically in front of you, and in utilizing interpreters remotely. We need applicants to feel comfortable answering questions fully and truthfully. In the beginning of the pandemic, when you know people thought it was gonna be over in three weeks, we received feedback that some folks preferred waiting until they could physically come into our office and have that one-on-one -on -one service. Outreach, reputation, and working with community partners 
helped in this regard to build trust and help community members know that they will receive the same quality of services, whether provided remotely or in person. Also in the RLS guide project profile, you mentioned that IRC gets a lot of individual referrals from community organizations. How do you go about establishing those relationships and building trust with these organizations? Yes, we partner with a lot of great community organizations, both locally in the 24 cities where we have offices and nationally across the U.S. In addition to legal services, the IRC offices provide a range of social services for humanitarian immigrants and communities. This holistic approach drives our teams to be engaged in coalitions and working groups, as well as work closely with allies in the community, such as healthcare providers, school districts, and others. So we use these channels to help spread awareness of the availability of our legal services. We also engage in targeted outreach, particularly in underserved areas of a state or the country. We proactively reach out to organizations and libraries, providing ESL and civics classes, for example, and just start conversations about our work and what synergies they may be. We provide information sessions and know your rights presentations for groups, both for partners and the wider communities. A lot of our offices also provide Facebook Live sessions to engage folks and reinforce our programs as trusted sources of information particularly when there's a change or an update in immigration law or policy or when misinformation is being spread. DACA and public charge have been two of our more popular topics we've hosted. Once we establish contact and a referral channel with organizations, our work and the responsiveness to the people they send over also helps establish that trust. To do these programs, you need volunteers. So what are some of the various roles and duties that volunteers have with the IRC? So IRC has a very robust volunteer program with regular intern and event opportunities. Interns provide administrative and case management support, things like opening and sorting USCIS notices, informing clients of upcoming appointments and interviews, and in some instances, form filling under legal supervision. It's a really great way for students interested in law and in particular humanitarian law to learn and see how a nonprofit legal service program operates. We also engage event volunteers who may support at one event or become a regular volunteer supporting many events over time. Events are typically group workshops where volunteers and staff assist dozens of applicants to prepare an application. Each event is typically focused on one application type. The most common for events for us is naturalization but we also do workshops for green cards, temporary protected status, DACA, and asylum. With the Afghan evacuations, the IRC is assisting over 10,000 Afghans, and as a result, we've greatly expanded our affirmative asylum work and events. These opportunities are great for people interested in getting involved who have primarily weekend or evening time available. Event volunteers may assist in planning and organizing the event or volunteer on the day of. Volunteers receive training on their assigned tasks, which could include form filling at workshops. Attorneys can provide legal review if they have immigration experience and training. So what about some of the biggest obstacles you have faced with remote legal service? This is a great question. Anytime you're starting something new, there's always gonna be obstacles and challenges and learnings from it. One of the biggest hurdles 
we experienced was making sure that in the beginning, staff had the tools, the skills, and the comfort they needed to provide remote services. Prior to the pandemic, IRC used a form-filling software that was not cloud-based. All of a sudden, staff didn't have access to it. They couldn't access previous records and had to use USCIS PDF forms. We found some workarounds, and we've since transitioned to a cloud-based system that allows for greater access. Another big challenge is that one-on-one -on -one remote services can take a lot longer than in-person. If the applicant is really tech-savvy, remote tools like Citizenship Works can really streamline services. However, not a lot of the clients that IRC serves are super comfortable or familiar with digital technology. Getting documentation and gathering information can be more difficult, as documents must either be sent securely via good quality scan or picture or mailed. Some of our offices have established drop boxes so that clients receiving remote services in the area can securely drop off documents and do so more timely, not having to wait three to five business days for the mail. When speaking with a client, finding a time and an opportunity for the applicant to be in a safe, confidential space can also be challenging. Even when we make appointments with clients, we've called and they'll be at work in a shared public space or at home with family members around. The questions we ask are confidential and can be sensitive. So it's important that the person is in a place where they can disclose something if needed. Privacy is also important from a trauma-informed care perspective so that the person has the space to process questions, respond, and ask questions of their own. This might not occur to everyone, so we encourage people to strategically schedule a time when they are alone and have that privacy to maintain confidentiality as needed. You've kind of just touched on that, and you mentioned some other challenges as well before. Are there any other challenges that immigrant clients tend to have with remote service? Yeah, so I would say access, digital literacy skills, and comfort are at the top of the list of potential challenges. Navigating immigration law is already complex, and adding a digital component can make it even more daunting. We've really tried to meet applicants where they are and adapt communication tools and processes to meet the needs of the individuals seeking the services. Sometimes this can be challenging because it means working with someone from the onset to identify what challenges they have and then being creative about addressing them. What about volunteer retention? How big of a deal is volunteer retention? And does the importance of retention change based on the specific volunteer role? So in general, across the board, retention is very important, though it does vary a bit based on role. For volunteers who are interns or otherwise provide regular support, it's critical that they are able to stay with us for a while. And there are typically minimum timeframes required for these opportunities. This is for two main reasons. One is that staff invest a lot of time and effort into training volunteers. And the second is that we want volunteers to have valuable experiences and have the opportunity to contribute in ways that align with their own goals. Retaining event volunteers is also very valuable, though these opportunities are designed so that individuals can contribute even if they only have one day. Attorneys doing legal review need to have particular specialized knowledge. We provide training and have expert legal staff on hand to oversee the work and really love to retain these volunteers because the more experience one has, typically the better in terms of knowledge base to assist applicants. 
what do you do at the IRC to support volunteers so you can retain those volunteers? The first is that we try to design opportunities that are meaningful and valuable to the volunteers so that they are learning and gaining from the time and work they provide. This includes providing training and facilitating their engagement as much as possible. Most of our volunteers come to us because they are passionate about helping others and contributing to humanitarian work. So we try to provide opportunities for them to see the impact of their time and effort. Our volunteers are really crucial to our work and we try to appreciate them in simple, small ways and in larger ways. Things like having snacks at workshops, awarding appreciation certificates, highlighting volunteers in newsletters, and of course, trying to remember to give each one of them a big thank you. Now let's talk a little bit about pro bono lawyers. What should pro bono lawyers who are new to remote legal service keep in mind? I think one of the top things to keep in mind is that you may need to adapt communication to ensure quality services. Good communication is essential to providing high quality services, both so that the applicant understands and is empowered and so that the attorney has all the information needed to provide sound advice and services. If the client is a humanitarian immigrant, I would also highlight using trauma-informed approaches and service delivery. This is important for in-person as well as remote services, as trauma and stress can make it more difficult to retain information, for example, or remember exact details, things which can directly impact communication. In a remote setting, a lawyer may need to use different tools to communicate or may need to take more time to establish rapport with the applicant in order to fully assist them. And how about, is there a way that listeners can get involved if they want to volunteer with the IRC? Yes, folks can go to rescue.org backslash volunteer to see current opportunities. A lot of our remote volunteers live in the vicinity of a particular office where they engage. So if you live near one of IRC's 24 offices, you can also visit that particular page on rescue.org to learn more. Well, thank you, Amber. We really appreciate you contributing to the Remote Legal Service Guide, and we appreciate you coming to talk with us today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure joining you, Brittany.